Welcome to the third Amazing Race 30 recap episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Homestone, and joining me, as always, is the Canadian who never rushes, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. The lady who never goes anywhere without her bag, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. Uh, yeah. And the Australian whose puns always fall flat, Ben Powell. Sup, skanks. Saffin my brethren. And we're back for podcast number 218, I want to say. What a milestone. Yeah, what a milestone. We are celebrating num- the classic number 218, guys. Sounds more yeah, like an area code. 218, what is that, leather? Hashtag 218. Moroccan, or- Moroccan orange skin? <laughs> I'm not even sure how we would celebrate our 218th anniversary here, but we're doing it anyway. With another pretty good episode of Amazing Race, far better than expected. Again. Why is it better than expected? It probably benefited from like um the, the last episode ending the way it did. Yeah, it. I have such low expectations because the cast is really not that good on paper. But actually, with the exception of last week, which was an absolute cluster, it's not been as bad as it could have been. I think our expectations overall are a bit like too low for the Amazing Warriors because out of all the CBS shows, it's been the one show that's actually managed to retain its quality throughout. Like, you know, Big Brother has always been a shithole, and Survivor is, like, you know, going downhill fast. But Amazing Race is, like, sort of a show that, like, really quickly and effectively managed to rejuvenate itself. Yeah, I think it. I think my expectations are low purely because of Amazing Race 29 being that good, and the knowledge that actually it's very unlikely that they're ever going to be able to achieve that again. I mean, I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't put past them to do that, do that again, because, I mean... You know, it's 2017, and CBS managed to, managed to produce an amazing series of reality television. Like, did anyone expect that, like, circa 2011? I don't think anyone expected that after, I'd say, after season 25. The, the expectations for 25 were so low because 24 was so bad, whereas the expectations for 30 are so low because 29 was so good. Yeah, I'd say that like I'd, I'd probably say we like expect most most good seasons to be a fluke, but then like we get consistently good seasons, and even the bad seasons after twenty four have been like you know there's good parts in it. So I'd say that there's no really awful characters in this series left. There's characters that make me roll my eyes. Yeah, there's characters who elicit eye rolls, but there's nobody who I go they are offensively bad, which I guess is all I can ask for at the moment. On the flip side, there hasn't really been anyone I've, like, massively attached myself to to yet. Like, you know, like I did say, a certain recruiter and law assistant lot from last season. A lawyer. Oh, right, she is a lawyer. Crap, I forgot. Yeah. She passed the bar in two states. Oh, yay. Do not do Queen Brooke a disservice. I don't, I don't, I don't do previews. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember people's jobs. It's much easier to remember people's jobs this season. Since each team, everyone has the exact same job, and that's all they talk about and constantly reference. With the exception of maybe April and Sarah now, where we're not even sure if they have the same job anymore. Whether they're working together anymore, or whether it's just sort of a, we're being civil, but we hate each other's guts. They say that they semi-get along now. Is I think that's what April responded to in the last podcast to us. I think there's still a little bit of tension there. Women hold grudges. So do men. <laughs> Not as much as women. True. Never ever cross a woman. 
I'm not sure if this is making the podcast or not, but like I'd say my best guess is that their quote civility unquote is akin to when you know whenever like on like RuPaul's Drag Race reality sh- reunion shows and like um of, of that kind, people are like so are you still too, are you still still fighting though? And they're like, oh no, we've learned a lot from each other and we're friends now. That painful forced smile follows. There's an undercurrent of tension between them, which is quite <laughs> hilarious for us to watch. An undercurrent of tension. It's like it's like calling a mummy's an ancient mummy's curse a head cold. <laughs> a bloody Australian flu at the moment. Sweeping the world. Ooh. Infecting everyone like Australia. Two listeners Why is it an spot. Australian flu? I think it's a particular strain that began in, in uh, Australia, but yeah, it's known as Australian flu, especially over here at the moment. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm pre- I'm like ninety nine percent sure I have it. I have it at the moment. Yeah, it's flu that ma- gives you the compulsion to eat meat pies and drink Fosters and wear hats with corks on them, and you know other fun Australian stereotypes. Excuse you, I haven't done any of that. Hold on, I was gonna I gotta catch my boomerang. I threw it I threw it away a bit ago. Uh, two listeners of this podcast attended the Amazing Race viewing in San Francisco with some of the teams this past week. Yeah, it was Dale and Maria, wasn't it? And Mark Peters was there too. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yep, he took pictures with a bunch of the teams because it was Chris and Trevor, just Sarah of Goat Yoga, um, Alex and Connor, (laughs) and Christy and Jen were the teams that hosted it. Was Peach there or not? I didn't see any of the... Well, I mean, she never posts pictures of herself online from any of the fan events, and I never thought to ask, so I don't think she would have been. Because she posted something, I think Dale got the invite because of her. Yes, I saw that. She was probably there then. Yeah, that's my suspicion. No Mertz anyway. <laughs> Mertz wouldn't get invited to any party, I don't think. So previously, nine teams raced from Iceland to Antwerp. At the roadblock, Joey's lack of cardio caught up with him, while Cedric and Sean rebounded from a poor initial showing in leg one. At the first American double battle, it all came down to April and Sarah and Eric and Daniel for, in a battle to last, but it was goat yoga enthusiasts April and Sarah who were the second team eliminated from the race. So, teams must now fly to Tangier in Morocco and find the fish port, and once there, they have to stack rows of fish to the exacting standards of the fishermen to get their next clue. And all the teams are pretty close together, to be fair, that we see. There's five teams who we see departure times for, but there's not a lot of point saying them because they didn't give us every one of them. There was a huge amount of time between like uh, first and second, wasn't there? It's like it was like seven minutes. It was like forty-five minutes. I have seven minutes. It was seven. It was six fifty-one and six fifty-eight respectively. I thought it was six fifteen. No, no, it's six fifty-one. Oh. You got the one oh. and the five round the wrong way. The in fact, the top six were all within an hour and four of each other. It isn't that much, like compared to other seasons, which have had everyone check in and look in five seconds. Yeah, the one we wanted to see was when Henry and Evan were departing compared to Joey and Tim, because whether it was an hour or three hours, I think it was an hour from what I've heard since the podcast last week. But Yeah, because April and Sarah waited th- uh, three er- hours for Eric and Daniel. Yeah, and I think um, Henry and Evan only waited one hour for April and Sarah. Oh, we're so glad Eric and Daniel are still in the race. <laughs> They're just a, a bit too... Over the top? I was going to say normal, because people have been complaining that there aren't enough normal teams on Amazing Race anymore, and if you ask for normal teams, this is what you get, a team who are not camera hogs at all and have zero airtime for a very good reason, and just tell dad jokes all the time. I mean, they've got, they've got, more, airtime, they've got more airtime than Trevor and Chris. Which is a goddamn travesty. Meh. 
I mean, some like I think I mentioned this last week, but there's like this weird, weird novelty in like every this entire season being advertised as the most competitive season ever with all these amazing like people outstanding in their fields, like they're shopping like the lady with the bags in Iceland. I'll I'll wait for you to get that, and then you get these like two random twin EMT slash fireman people. Fireman, that's quaint, but that's better on paper because they're like. They're boring, and also they outlasted goat yoga. So, hello. We thought we thought there was going to be more. Um, I should point out that it's not really the most competitive season ever since, uh, well, for many reasons, but one of them on uh, since nobody's fallen out of a tuk tuk and broken their neck like Henry and Bernie. Yes, <laughs> toughest race ever. Eric was on Justin and Diana's podcast, Racers Recap, and he was saying that when. Uh, teams entered a new airport that they all waited for each other to get off the plane and started running right at, at the exit for the airport. So <laughs> most, <laughs> most competitive season ever. <laughs> they've done that before though. I've read that they've done that before. They definitely did that for the premiere of uh, 28. Yeah. Like even Corey, cause Corey was saying too, that they did it sometimes during season 28, but they didn't really hold to it that often most teams really didn't this is the sounds like this is the first cast that has completely held to the everyone start at the same time in the airport uh, rule without any without it being forced by production really god i wouldn't be doing that i'm sorry loves i'd be running as we well know from australian survivor michelle you will do anything to win <laughs> i'm a little competitive <laughs> Just as a little spoiler for you guys about the Hunted podcast, we do discuss what would happen if Michelle's husband got an Australian survivor and whether she <laughs> reckons he would actually do anything well. <laughs> the answer is no. Negative. No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe keep that one away from Tom. Oh, yeah, it's okay. He doesn't know my other life that I have in podcasting. You just disappear for hours on end, talking to, <laughs> rem- to strange talk- men on the strange internet. Strange men, yes. <laughs> anyway, to strange anyway. men over the internet on Skype. Yeah, exactly. Oh dear. And Cedric and Sean say the the Amazing Race is tough because they've never done any of this stuff before. It's like that's kind of the point of the Amazing Race if you've ever seen the show before. That's mm. it. I could have a heart attack in every country. <laughs> oh, God. I'm scared for him now that I know that. He's the closest racer to having a heart attack since Mel White. Jeez. Oh, it's coming up again. That was, that was all over the internet last night. <laughs> Logan's favourite reference point. Don't we all love him referencing the Amazing Race 14? That's rude. Um, and Alex and Connor say that they won't rush. They've been losing ground all season because they just they've not been dawdling enough it's a curse <laughs> I'm surprised that two of the teams know Arabic that's really good I'm not surprised that Henry and Evan do if you had to put money on any team knowing or having a member who knows Arabic you'd probably put it on Henry and Evan mm. given that they're the sort of people you'd go yeah they're gonna know a bit of a bit of foreign languages I mean they did go yeah. to Yale it leads back to them being super prepared for the race because I would put money on them knowing a lot of common languages or phrases in a lot of common languages just to be able to get by in taxes. And people are a lot more likely to help you if you are willing to put the effort in to speak languages. 
is one very easy way to endear yourself to locals. Scream righto or lefto at them? Rather than speaking Spanish in an Arabic <laughs> country, not mentioning any names, Brittany, the way to endear people to you is is to like try and find some common ground with them, and speaking their language, or at least attempting to speak their language, is a great way to do it. Isn't French more common throughout Morocco than Arabic, or at least in certain areas? Because that's what my co-workers found when they went to Morocco, because they studied a bunch of Arabic before going, and they also... Uh, and then they thought, well, it's, we're going right across from Malaga, so probably Spanish too. And then all the locals said, um, actually, can you speak in French, please? Civil play? I think French is the official language of Morocco, but people do also learn Arabic. I'm not 100% on that, but I think it is the official language. And Arabic's just the, the second language. In the same way that French is the second language of Canada. And I finally worked out how to tell Eric and Daniel apart, because Daniel has a shaved head. Makes my life so much easier when I know how to tell twin teams apart. I'm going to suggest to Bertram now that they insist that any twin teams that they cast in future, like... Not not be identical? Yeah, don't be identical, or at least make them wear signs around their necks saying their name for the first few couple of episodes. That's or have the... one just wear like a huge-ass wig on their head, like an afro, and then the other <laughs> one is bald. Give us some easy way to tell these people apart, because Eric and Daniel especially are really hard to tell apart. I guess not every team can have, like, a blonde streak in their hair and a nose ring, like Natalie and Nadia. Exactly. It's, Natalie and Nadia at least made it easy for us with, with the different hair and the nose ring and stuff like that. Whereas Eric and Daniel just... Obviously, they can't do anything with their hair. But, God, it's hard to tell them apart. Eric, did you just get a perm? <laughs> <laughs> what they should do is get a Sharpie and just draw a smiley face on the top of Daniel's bald head. That would make life so much easier. <laughs> or just badly draw him some hair. That would be very entertaining. Contour on a beard with a sharpie. And um, Christy and Jen are very aware of being the final all-female team standing, which is a pretty damning indictment of the all-female teams that two of the three of them went out first. And the one te- and the one female team that's left is like these um these two like race spots that seem to be amalgamation of every like alternative athletic female team that have ever been on the race. At least like Natalie and Megan had like moments of like you know fighting in one or two episodes whereas these two just seem to be like their entire thing is like blandly recounting the ta- um the task objectives or explaining how they're going to do the task objectives or talking about how they've lost their way or whatever but and it never ever amounting to anything interesting ever that's why i said they were proto natalie and megan because natalie and megan evolved from the the pod that christine jen uh, grew up in and actually gained some personality I should note, I feel that there one major similarity between them is that both of these all-female teams not only won the first leg, but also vomited in the first leg. So, yeah. And maybe they will continue the, the theme by having a snowball task that they completely bugger up and finishing in second. My bindings came off! And, um, the, I know Ben wants to talk about it, so I'll just mention it. The intro seems to be permanently post-fight now. Which I don't mind, actually. Ben loves to discuss a, an intro. Because, like, yeah, it's, it's all I talk about. Like, when I'm, like, waiting to podcast throughout the week, I'm just like, I can't wait to talk about the fucking intro. <laughs> Did you see they put it after, they put it after the flight departed? At least there's, there's less social media outrage at them messing with the intro again. Phil still hasn't returned, so he's obviously not put his foot down enough yet, but at least there's less outrage of them, them doing it then. 
Yeah, at least at least it's actually here, unlike certain other shows which have like gotten rid of the intro entirely. I think Hammerots has got rid of the intro pretty much entirely, from what I've heard. Well, at least it's, it's still here on our, our intro. Yeah, but given it's the best Amazing Race theme, they should be promoting it. They should promote it as much as Gemma Collins wants to promote the dictionary. I'm a big fan of the dictionary. <laughs> Actual interview. Um, and talking of people vomiting, Cedric ends up heaving over some fish. Now, I wonder whether the judges of like the challenge actually like have penalised him for like getting vomit over the fish. All I seem to take into account was like what position they were in. They never uh, penalised Dawn and Mary Jean for doing something similar. I mean, to be fair, it, was, it wasn't a detailed-based task back then. That's true. And the teams do get swarmed by cats, just like a party at Haley's house. <laughs> Lots of cats. <laughs> Love you really, Haley. <laughs> and Christian Jen's taxi does end up being absolutely terrible. And in fact, I think it was Jen posted on social media yesterday just a map of how far away they were dropped off. And it was at least a mile away. This sounds like it'd be exciting, but it's not. And once teams sort their fish, they must now find the Kizarate Jabala Souk and greet a merchant in Arabic to get the next clue, as well as the gnome that will be accompanying them for the rest of the leg. Accompanied, uh, abandoned on the side of the street. In the same way that Bergen and Kurt broke the Ford sponsorship, I'm hoping no one's going to be breaking the Travelocity sponsorship here by, you know, dumping the gnome twice. Well, how long was the Ford sponsorship for? Season 18 ended with 26. Yeah, I think it was season 18 to 26. Well, that's not ages then. Like, Travelocity's been there since, like, season 6 or season 7. Very true. I think Travelocity will, will get over it, but I would be insulted if I were the known. Yeah, Travelocity will collapse before, the, before it leaves the show. Especially since they, like, you know, pimp their app so many times in the show as well. And we get some more passive-aggressive sniping from Alice and Connor, so at least they're taking over the goat yoga mantle. And Joey and Tim do find the right place, but they miss the gnome and end up having more navigational fails, which seems to be a running theme for them now. And once teams do get to the souk, it's the roadblock, which is, who's ready to rock the Casbah? Sorry, does everyone in the world know that song? I think you know so. It, like, you know yeah, it? I know the Clash. I was hoping they'd be the pit stop greeters. They, they, oh. they always, they always, whenever the word Casbah or anything Moroccan comes into play, everyone always wants to bring up the Clash. I know these are words you're saying, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> God. I'm vaguely familiar that, that that was a song, but I don't think I've ever heard it. And also, I you have no idea who's been it? in The Simpsons, Ben. Was it before season 10? Yes. Do you know the name of the episode? Oh, damn it. Um, you guys are insane. Back fan. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, it's not it. sure. I don't know the exact episode. It's a, it plays in the closing credits of one of the episodes. Yeah, it's not a gay anthem, so it doesn't take place in my mind, so. And do you call yourselves a Simpsons historian, Logan? I've never called myself a Simpsons historian. <laughs> I've organized no such podcast. You might criticize yourself, but we criticize you more. You've disappointed us. So in this roadblock, one team member must join their gnome on a tour of the rooftops of the area around the souk. Uh, the gnome will go down two zip lines, they have to then find them, and then they have to find a payphone to find out the greeting that they need to give a shopkeeper to get their next clue. I really like this task. This is a, a pretty good task. It was really fun because it's like it so had like this, it had the vague allusion to the Bourne Identity because there was a lot of rooftop jumping on the Bourne Identity. It was like the first few minutes of the Aladdin film. I like how that's where your pop culture reference pool goes. Ben goes for Bourne films. Logan goes for Aladdin. 
I don't even need to say anything. In my non-defense, that was actually mentioned in the episode. Yeah, I know. Wasn't Jason Bourne, not Bond? And uh, it is Henry, Trevor, Eric, Jen, Brittany, Cedric, Connor, and Tim doing this robot. Can I tell you, I would be... I'd, I'd be so lost. I wouldn't know how to get to the next place. I'd have to go with another team or else I would just be out. It was just distressing me watching them trying to figure out how to get there. It seemed like the more people you were with, the longer it took to get to places because, like, Cedric did it by himself and he, like, seemed to actually, like, know what he was doing. He was just exhausted by the fact he was carrying his backpack with him. <laughs> Why was he carrying his back to- backpack with him? Because it was the first thing that I had written down about this roadblock. Why on earth are you bringing your bag anywhere? I mean, he did, he did pretty impressive for someone who, who was carrying his backpack with him, and he was, like, in first with, like, most of the thing until he got overtaken a bit. And also someone of his age. Don't forget his age. Almost 50. Oh, Almost 50. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, join the club. Seriously. Aren't you like 30? <laughs> yeah, I'm 30. <laughs> Michelle, as I've mentioned before, you don't look your age. <laughs> I was yes, gobsmacked when I found out how old you are. Wait, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 48. Jesus Christ, no you're not. I am, <laughs> but I don't act it at all. <laughs> you also, I've also met you in person and you don't look at it either. Thanks. I put on some very big spec filler for you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Cedric just talks about how old he is and how he's had 50 heart attacks and he's basically dead man walking. I think you're at a zero there. I'll give him the heart attack thing, because that's really bad. But his age, no, sorry, not listening to you at all. Can, can I just point out, everyone on a race would have had to be medically cleared. Yeah, exactly. If they thought there was an issue with him having a heart attack on the race, they would not have let him go on the race. Mm. So, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Don't use your age as an excuse. Ever. Am I the only one that's amazed that the person who has who has had heart attacks in this whole cast... Is not either of the professional hot dog eaters. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be very professional if they, if they collapse on the job. <laughs> Maybe in the broccoli eating contest they'll collapse. And again, with the Simpsons reference. <laughs> and yeah, it's Henry and Evan who leave in first, with Christy and Jenny in second, and Alex kind of in third. But wait, there's been subterfuge. Yes, Brittany forgot her uh, her gnome at the last element of the roadblock. Because she gave it to Nixon and then Nixon put it down. Yes, and she cheated. That was cheating. Oh my god, I am so outraged by this, by uh, gently putting down Britney's gnome. I don't know what the Instagram models are doing on the season, but man, what a twist. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. And once teams do complete the roadblock, it's the detour, which is drop it off or shake it off. And in drop it off, teams must make three deliveries by carrying crates along the floor. Once they have three stamp receipts, these stamps will spell out the next pit stop. And in Shake It Off, in Shake It Off, teams must perform a subpar Taylor Swift video. <laughs> <laughs> and in Shake It Off, if this were Hammerots, they would be dressing as Taylor Swift to do this task for some reason. But in Shake It Off, teams must belly dance around the restaurant and find three hidden words which spell out the next pit stop location. And I kind of like the direction that they're going in with this sort of detail, where you actually have to spell out the next location rather than just get given it. In the points against the shake it off detour is that like they didn't have to get it in any particular order they just had to get the words whereas like there could have been an opportunity for like you know an actual mix up and a shake up if that if they like been forced to do the whole um getting in right order because like it was something palace something that one of them said and if that had been rejected they might have like gone out and looked for more words 
But then again, I think it was the same rule with the drop it off detail because they didn't get the the words in the right order. Probably should have though. Yeah, but they they didn't because I was watching out for that because I thought the exact same thing. I guess we can't be too picky. The budget for the show is a tenth of what it used to be. And Eric and Daniel do leave in fourth with Trevor and Chris in fifth, and then Cedric walks past the correct place, and it, he just he starts losing it. Do you think Sean didn't call out loud enough to him because he feared another penalty? I think that might have been weighing on his mind, because we did actually have a question from Mark Doyle about can we explain the difference between calling out someone's name and actually helping them on a roadblock. And the difference is that Tim did shout to to Joey saying, here, that isn't helping him at all, because that's not saying turn right or whatever, or sticking his head out of the suit and going, hiya! That is sort of guiding him in the right direction rather than actually actively helping him. Yeah, when he sees him, he could just, like, start spontaneously screaming and have the same effect. When he started out spontaneously, I was like, I, asked, I was wondering what you are going to end up with. I was like, spontaneously combusting? Yes. <laughs> oh, man, my partner just exploded. It's got to be here. Dude, there's some more meat for me to eat in ten minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got to have this suit cleaned up, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he, like, runs fast enough, he'll still, like, you know, land on the mat with his partner. As long as he doesn't go to the bathroom first. Ah, cannibals. We haven't discussed anything this dark since uh, Hunted US. Good times. And um, there's not really a lot to say about these details, apart from the fact that Alex's dance moves are amazing. Yeah, it's very and much And why a, wouldn't you uh, do that one? Because the other one's too hard. Just crazy. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, the entertainment of the episode seem to be, like, contained in the subterfuge, like, roadblock, rather than the detour. Because the detour is very much, do these tasks, do them quickly. Did you guys get the name of the special cafe? It was on oh, one of the grabs of someone doing something. There was a cafe with a special name. Did you, anyone get it? Colon? Was that the yeah. Colon Cafe? Cafe Colon. <laughs> like, Which is, sounds like name. Joey and Tim's future. Uh, sounds like Joey and Tim's future place to be. Yeah, Ant said he would be very disappointed in me if we didn't make that the banner this week, but I don't think it will be. I think there was too many good facial expressions from uh, from certain people for that to get the banner, sadly. Was it Tim that just refused to participate in this detour at all? Yeah, Joey was enthusiastically dancing and completely ignoring the actual purpose of the task, and Tim just was just walking. So I'm wondering where the line was with production, where they might have turned around to him and gone, no, you actually have to you know, belly dance, that's kind of the point of the task. Well, they didn't have to dance. Yeah, but Tim really was not dancing. Mm. So yeah, it's Henry and Evan who leave Shake It Off in first, with uh, Alex and Connor in second. And Alex and Connor do forget their gnome at the detour, which basically gives Henry and Evan a bit of an advantage. Yay! I like that team winning. Yeah, that was good. Evan really took it a step above Dustin and Candace, where Dustin and Candace bragged that what was it? I think it was Dustin that bragged about writing a paper about Morocco while Evan actually studied in Morocco. 20 seasons later, it was about time. Can we talk about the gnome for a second? This is the second season out of the past four where the gnome gets to do something cooler than the contestants. <laughs> in season 26, the gnome got to do skydiving, while this season he gets to do ziplining and none of the contestants get to zipline. I adore this trope. It is the best. <laughs> Just really winding people up by saying, guess what? Someone's going to be ziplining, and it ain't going to be you. <laughs> Merry Christmas! It's going to be this gnome that we've dressed up in a funny way. But yeah, I had flashbacks to the Namibia leg as well. I can't remember which task was the one where they had to, where the, um, the gnome skydived. Which one was that? Season 26 Namibia leg. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about last season. I was like, wait, I don't remember this. Yeah, where it was a, a great example of who's ready to skydive, and then the actual task was, yeah, follow the gnome, which is going to parachute out of a plane for you. <laughs> it's a lot less insurance. It's just a really great Amazing Race dick moment. It's like when it started 23 when like the person who did the robot was like, find your partner who got to skydive or, or paraglide or whatever. And then completely screwed everyone up on the on the next robot because like they forgot that they didn't do the de- they didn't do the robot, so they had to do the had to do the next robot and then like everyone got screwed up because of it. And then Nana was forced into a forced marriage by the end of the episode. Poor Nana. <laughs> There's a very real possibility that you're gonna be blogging about that season this year, kind of by now. If I keep up this pace there's a chance. You started to Australia too. Yeah, you you get the, the treat of Australia too before you punish yourself even further by doing 21 and 22 and 23 and 24. I think Canada 1 is in there as well somewhere. Yeah, Canada 1's after 22, but it's only 10 episodes. 10 episodes of Vanessa and Selena. Canada 1 is less of a punishment than slogging through 20 to 24. Or Australia 3. Australia 3 wasn't that bad. It just wasn't as good as Australia 2 was. And... I like 21. And it's I liked Australia pretty, 3. Australia 3 was pretty bad. It wasn't the worst one that year, because it was on the same year as, you know, 24. It wasn't the worst one we podcasted about, by a long shot. We talked a lot about going to the toilet in that one, didn't we? Because he was always off doing wheeze everywhere. Oh, that's true. But on the plus side, Australia 3 did give us Cat and Jesse, who are awesome. It could be a lot worse. So, yeah. Henry and Evan do check in in first, and they win, eventually, when everyone else checks in. We find out that they win a trip to Zurich. And what else do they get, Michelle? (laughs) Some massages in a spa. You can just tell from Michelle's giddy laughter that she knows exactly what I'm referring to. (laughs) Oh, I saw it and I wrote it down with the exclamation mark. Yeah, but he didn't just say spa. He said massage and spa. I know, he said both. You know what I need? I need that to be like my wake-up ringtone in the mornings. Just him saying spa on repeat. Can you do that for me, Michael? He was properly having it up. Make it text time. (laughs) I need it. And yeah, that means that Alex and Connor do check in in second. And Phil tries to hammer home the the theme of the season when he says, Does this remind you of IndyCar? Isn't this competitive? Yeah, she just turned around and go, No, Phil. This is nothing like IndyCar. At all. So, Christine Jen, not very good at miming fish. Not very good at being entertaining characters, either. I would take them over Eric and Daniel's gnome and fruit puns. Yeah, but that's a low bar. And we have, you know, we we live in a post-29 world. We should have higher expectations. They're not very interesting, but they're, they're great at it. They're good at the race. They're great at not being interesting. They're great at not being interesting. (laughs) No, I meant they're great at the race, but they're not very interesting. She reminds me of someone. The one with the... Which one? The the blonde one? one No, the the one with the different face, yes. (laughs) The one with the different face. That's a nice way to describe it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very individual kind of face. (laughs) Oh, Michelle, you're so sad. How was that... know what I'm talking about. Is this how you talk in in the staff room about some of the children I teach? (laughs) Yeah, that one, that's the one with the different face. The the one who has unique features. And a wonderful personality. (laughs) What makes it even funnier, Michelle, is that you... What makes it funnier, Michelle, is that you say, she reminds me of somebody. She's the one with the different face. Completely contradictory. (laughs) 
Okay, look, if you had a whole line of people in a lineup, she's quite unique in that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's unique. You know, you know, for your next Christmas card, I'm going to send you a shovel with it so you can keep digging. <laughs> saying she's not she's unattractive i don't know why you guys are going down that train but you're the one who said she has a different face that's kind of a euphemism for ugly no no that's not what i meant no i mean she's like unique she's different you can you know if you've got a whole crowd of women you're going to remember her because she's more unique than a whole lot of -of run-of-the-mill women (laughs) you know what i Michelle, with, with the greatest love, you're not helping your case at all. Ed, the only way your case could be worse right now is if you named your friend. No, it's not my friend. It's someone who's like a TV star. But Oh, name not, them then. I'm saying that even myself in a whole group of women, I'm not unique to remember, like in a whole group. I'm just saying, she. I like looking at her face because she's, she's different. Name and shame the person who has, and I quote, unique features. I can't think of who it is. Is she Australian? No. How about you describe her, Michelle? If she's got unique features, it'll be really easy to work out who it is. <laughs> she, they look very similar. Very similar. I don't know why I brought it up. Why did I even bring this up? I don't know, Michelle, but you do this when you're tired. And I, this is why we do the podcast at this time, because I catch you in a mood where you really have zero filter and it's wonderful. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Sorry. The best thing is, I sort of left to go say goodnight to my mum and dad. The first thing I heard when I came back was, yeah, you know the one with the really unique face? <laughs> oh, dear. Stop. I want to bring up something about Alex and Connor. Connor said that he that because him and Alex are fit, that he's breaking the stereotype of IndyCar racers. I had no idea that there is a stereotype that IndyCar racers are not physically fit. I mean, thanks to Survivor Caramon, there's a story, there's a stereotype that IndyCar racers are boring. But apart from that, I can't think of anything. Or vanilla. Like all I can think of is like uh, stereotypes around IndyCar racers. Uh, they're rednecks. They have, and they have a single-digit amount of teeth. They have unique features. Unlike most of their their archetype, we actually quite like Alex and Connor, though. That's the difference. I think they're all right. Like I like them more than I did last week, but I wouldn't say like like. They're not my least favorite, but then like I like them more than Christy and Jen. I like them more than Eric and Daniel and uh, Joey and Tim. Joey and Tim, yeah, that's the one. I keep on wanting calling him Jody or something, and I was like, that's not right. If only there was someone named Jody in this season. I would say that they're one of my three favourite teams of the season. They're below Henry and Evan and Lucas and Brittany, obviously, but they're probably my third. They're above April and Sarah, really? No, I mean in terms of teams who are still in. They're definitely below April and Sarah, who are obviously going to be the number one for the season, regardless of anything else that happens. I mean, honestly, I can't really disagree with that. Given that my CTS... Lower third was goat yoga enthusiast. I think still is, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be giving up my love of April and Sarah just yet. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll probably depend on how the rest of the season ends up. But, like, the fact that they went from, like, the preseason... Like, I knew they were going to go second, but because they're goat yoga enthusiasts, I expect them to be, like, you know, these, like, genial sort of mum types who are all, like, um, gave their best shot but just didn't make it far enough. And instead, they're, like, hyper-aggressive, sniping, like, passive-aggressive hell demons who, like, you know, who have one of the most entertaining post-show, like, post-scripts. 
that I've ever seen. Yeah, they were cast to be sort of, oh yeah, we're lovely people, and they end up having basically a Bergen and Kurt ending. And it's just delightful. Yeah, I really like Brittany and Lucas, and they had a, like, a really good start. But if I don't start doing something soon, I'm going to have to like you know just sort of put all my goats in the goat yoga pen. I mean, we didn't get a particular standout moment from them this week, apart from her falling in love with Moroccans. But we did get the, the wonderful safe word discussion last week, and her being really sort of passive-aggressive to him in the car in Iceland. We're getting the peppery moments of Lucas and Brittany being an awesome pair. And she played with the fish that, that Cedric vomited on this episode. True. I think Lucas and Brittany are definitely good casting. So yeah, Trevor and Chris uh, checking in fourth, and then Joey Again. and Tim. Again! Yeah. <laughs> the third time in a row. And Joey and Tim uh, miss the pit stop. Joey uh, ends up making Tim take his bag because of his terrible cardio. This isn't becoming a recurring theme or anything. They walked into the pit stop and then walked out. Did they take up golfing recently or something? And Joey and Tim are checking next, and then Eric and Daniel. Can't see Joey and Tim lasting much longer. We're certainly getting the, the impression that they are... An absolute mess. Yeah, I'm between like eighth place for them at, at best. Yeah, they're really just not a very good team. They can't move fast and they suck at navigating. That's not a very good combination on the Amazing Race. I could be like receptive to them if like that aspect is played out more. But as it is, it's just a lot more food puns and talking about how they're competitive eaters than I like because it's like we get it, you are cast because you're competitive eaters. Play us another song, please. But then again, they're probably being nudged by production to say all that stuff. It certainly isn't all them. Yes, but you can ignore production. Like, they gave you a hot dog at the starting line. You can ignore them. They like you. Yeah, if you ignore production, they just under-edit you, though. And Eric and Daniel check in next, and then Lucas and Brittany, which means that Cedric and Sean are the last team to check in, but they are saved from elimination by an episode 3 non-elim. I was about to say by a heart attack. Oh shit, Cedric had a heart attack. We can't eliminate him now. If Cedric wins this season, I'm really scared because if anything's going to give you a heart attack, it's winning a million dollars at the end of, a, of 20 days of filming <laughs> The Amazing Race. And raising your profile to the level that it would be of the star turn that is Amazing Race winner. I mean, it just improves so many people's careers. You know, they're far a bit NBA players, right? I'm pretty sure they, they make like a million dollars easily in royalties, royalties from their thing alone, from their career but alone. They waste, all, they waste money fast. And also, I'm fully aware of that, Ben, and in the bios, we ripped them a new one because they did actually say, oh yeah, we're doing this to to raise our profile. They basically said we're doing Amazing Race to become famous. I find that funny. Yeah, the answer to that is 30 seasons in, you've come to the wrong show for that, I'm afraid. I can think of like one person off the top of my head who's actually become famous in the Amazing Two people, like, and one of them's not really like that famous, just like... Blake from season two and Stacy Schroeder. Yep. He's now a main cast member on, on Vanderpump Rules. I mean, if you use the example of, of someone like Brooke, she has used it to... Date Blair? Well, to obviously date Blair, which is a, a, <laughs> a perfect pairing. And they are adorable on social media. As I have told Brooke, they are adorable together. But also, she's used it to like get a regular gig on local access news, talking about legal issues. That's good, though. Yeah. And she wasn't just offered that because of Amazing Race, but it was helpful to her cause. In that it put her in touch with the people who could make it happen. I'm trying to think of like, if there's anyone else who's like, say, they explicitly their their log line for the Amazing Race scene to be the, to raise their profile. I don't think there is. So yeah, uh, Cedric and John do checking in last. There's lots of basketball puns. They get a speed bump next week. Yay! 
which will be rendered completely irrelevant when there's a, another head-to-head. Yeah, but in the show's defence, I know what the... From the press pictures, I know what the speed bump's going to be, and it's not the worst one they've ever done. When it's no a- ice chairs, no knots? No, it's before the roadblock, they have to uh, stack 12 of the boats that they use for the roadblock in numerical order. So it's actually reasonably physical, de- physically demanding. Okay. Certainly not the worst speed bump we've ever seen. The head-to-head, though. And it's competitive per tunk. Pretty not much botchy ball, right? Yeah, it's pretty much botchy yeah. ball. But it's, yeah, it's competitive per tunk, which is hilarious. In its defence, it still looks more interesting than anything on Amazing Race Canada. But it is the sort of thing that I would jokingly say Amazing Race Canada was going to do. Yeah, but you know they're going to find some way to make it ridiculous. Especially if, like, you know, either the NBA players get eliminated because of it, or, like, Joey and Tim get eliminated because of it, or, like, one of the most competitive teams ever get eliminated because of bocce ball. It'll be it'll be before, probably be before the pit stop, right? Yeah, it's right before the pit stop. It's at the pit stop again. And another su- very questionable decision. I'm surprised that the non-elimination was aired during one of the non-double episode weeks. I was thinking that. Yeah, so now we lose two teams next week. Yeah, we kind of got to lose two teams next week. So yeah, next time, teams head to Saint-Tropez, there's sailing, Joey takes on water, and there's competitive Patonk to decide who gets eliminated. So yeah, have we got any predictions for next week? Um, I think they'll be out next week. Who said to Sean? Our, our heart attack waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I predict, for some reason, that uh, Evan will get hit in the teeth with the, by the sailing boat. <laughs> My God, I wonder if anything happens to his teeth. That was that was not good. Not good. We need more of Evan trying to dance. Because <laughs> their dancing from this week was kind of hilarious. It was more of a twitch rather than a dance. Like, I know I'm on record as loving it, uh, Henry and Evan, but yeah, I, I'm starting to see the these are going to be quite under-the-radar fun people. They're very high like visibility team, so can you really be low, low, under-the-radar? Yeah, but you know what I mean by that. Like, like subtly funny. Like, still very entertaining. It's sort of a Suki and Jinder situation where they're not necessarily the main focus of the episode, but you see them in the background doing stupid shit. There's always something that's going to be memorable for them. So, what do you think is going to happen, Logan? Um, I don't think Cedric and Sean will go home this round. I think Joey and Tim are pretty much done with the race at this point. And then Cedric and Sean are going to go home because I think everything's going to catch up with Cedric because this round seemed to absolutely wear him out. Yeah, and also it is two legs in France. It's uh, Saint-Tropez and then uh, Provence. Four times in five seasons, France. I like France. Yeah, I like France as well. It's a relatively safe, not necessarily cheap country for them to go to, but lots of good flight connections, all that sort of fun stuff. Plus people who think they can speak French but can't. France is worth it just for moments like Mama D trying to rap in French. Mm-hmm. Or Elaine and Audre doing the, I said yes! Elaine and Audre. You have to say their name properly. That wasn't properly. Elaine and Audre. Yeah. <laughs> so, have we got anything else to say? There's a clear top tier and a clear bottom tier in terms of who's going to go far this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be fairly obvious. Yeah, let's, let's like, we should probably quantify those tiers. Uh, let's see. Uh, bottom tier, definitely Jolie and Tim, uh, Cedric and Sean, Eric and Daniel, and I hate to say this, but Lucas and Brittany, since they're consistently finishing towards the bottom. I like how Brittany almost stole a random local's gnome. Okay, four on the top, four on the bottom, and one is like the median. Well, the, th- the problem with doing one as the median is the fact that there are three teams currently on the same average. <laughs> 
in spots three to five. Yeah, but average star, averages don't mean that much, especially like there's more about top performance. And the top tier would be Alex and Connor, Christy and Jen, and uh, yeah, I guess it's a pretty steady top three. Then I listed four teams yeah. in the bottom, so leave Chris and, and Trevor as the median. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, they've placed the exact same place three times in a row, which like you know, after three occurrences means they might have to get an edit or something. You know, because like that's how that's how Christine Jen work. They've had three female winners, and now they get to talk about how they might be in the next female winner. We can pretty much just separate it into two tiers with Christy and Jen, Henry and Evan, Alex and Connor, and Trevor and Chris in the top tier, and then the bottom four in the bottom tier. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think we've got anything else to say really. It's a good episode. Yeah, it was it was a good episode. It's the sort of episode that we needed after last week's sort of mess. But compared to Light Hunted this week, it still wasn't the best episode of TV. So it's hard for me to compare. So thank you for listening to this URT Number podcast. You can join us next weekend for our first double episode of the season with episodes four and five. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Log Superkawaki for Logan, Bear 3 for Michelle, and Ink1Y for Ben. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. What is that? It feels like a punchline for a joke, but there's no... It doesn't come.